Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome back. Welcome back. Shoot. Welcome. Welcome to episode 167 of the Beers and Bible. I'm Anthony. And I'm Michael. (laughs) And we are glad to be with you again for another week of the Beers and Bible podcast. If this feels uh, weird, it's because it's Monday night. (laughs) Because I just made it weird by messing it up. Yeah, no, it's Monday night. Uh, schedule stuff. Uh, I had a sick kiddo over the weekend, and we just couldn't get it done this weekend. So we're recording on a Monday. There and you this go. Will release on in four days. So Anthony, good luck uh, mixing this one down. Um, <laughs> if this one's messed up, I'm sorry. Well, we'll fix it. We'll get it figured out. And if there's any issues with it, we'll tell you where you can send those uh, complaints to. Those complaints to. So <laughs> to our, um, our complaint department. Did you know we have a complaint department? We are the complaint department. Let's be real. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast. We're happy to happy that you are with us again for another week. Uh, we are going to do what we always do, which is drink beer and talk through the Bible. But before we get to that, Anthony, it's a Monday. You're smoking I, on your porch again. I'm going to smoke another pipe. Dude, and, uh, I got this new pipe. Check out how yeah, awesome this it thing is. is. That's pretty dope. I'm very jealous of your pipe. This one, like, all right, so my buddy, um, I've tagged him a few times. Uh, his Growly Pipes is, is his uh, Instagram. It's, I think it's at Growly Pipes. Um, you can find him there. So he texted me the other day and he was like, Hey man, um, I need to get rid of a pipe so I can have some mad money for a trip I'm going on. I was like, sweet. What you got? And he was like, you mm-hmm. want to pick this one up? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I am on the way. So I will, I will be there shortly. <laughs> so Gosh, yeah, this thing's great. awesome. I love the stem on this thing. Cause it's a, it's a black um, acrylic, but it has like this white string, Stuff looks like it's going through it. It's awesome looking. It's a really cool looking pipe. It's cooler than any so, pipe I have, which I only have two pipes. So, well, there you go. We were just talking. I need to, I need to get back into it a little bit, not too much, but enough. Yeah. So, anywho, well, that's cool. Other than other than like sick kids, man, what's going on in your world? Oh, uh, you know that's that's pretty much it. Our youngest was sick over the weekend, and uh, just been kind of a low key weekend even though it was easter we we stayed home for church and uh my family was out of town my my parents are down in tybee i think that's where they went so they're enjoying a little getaway there but we're we're good we're staying busy and you know dealing with a sick kiddo is always fun so Mm -hmm. especially when you're not sure what the cries mean anymore because they're Mm -hmm. sick so but we're good. We're just, you know, kind of just in a rhythm right now of work, home, sleep, work, home, sleep. <laughs> and I guess it'll be that way forever. So um that's right. Till you till you retire. Then it's just like sleep and home and sleep yeah. at home and <laughs> well 
Excuse me, it's late. We got started late tonight too. I um, I apologize for that. So let's get into our beer review tonight. Anthony has yes. an interesting looking beer, and I would like for him to go ahead and talk about that one because I'm skeptical of mine after yes. doing a little bit of research. So Anthony, <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? So tonight I have from the Crooked Stave Brewery in Denver, Colorado. It is called the Fruity Stripes Sour Ale uh, with Earl Grey Tea. I just realized that it has Earl Grey tea in it. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be positive or negative. Um, I couldn't really find a whole lot because this one is, I guess, discontinued or, or done with from mm-hmm. Cricket Stave. Uh, but it comes in at 4.5 ABV, and it just says it is in a sour ale with Earl Grey tea. I kind of saw it and hoped it was going to be like the Fruity Stripes gum because that's what mm-hmm. it looks like. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you remembered and and if you grew up in the in the 80s 90s or early 2000s you remember that fruit stripes gum lasted a grand total of like four seconds uh mm-hmm. of flavor mm-hmm. so it'd be yep. like chew a piece and then immediately spit it out and get another piece or just keep adding until you had like eight pieces of gum in your mouth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah that was all and you could you could always go through a pack of fruit stripe gum in like uh six minutes that way uh just to keep the flavor for about you know six minutes but that is what I have. It is the fruit fruity stripes from Cricket Stave, and it is a sour ale. We're gonna see how it tastes. What in the world did you find? So I went to the store right by the house, um, which typically has pretty good selection, and all they had that was normal-ish beers were IPAs, Ooh. and then I didn't really have the energy to look through all of like their stouts and porters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They typically don't have a ton anyway, so. I went kind of down toward the end where they keep like the reds and all that. And I uh, like reds, apple ale. And then I found um, this is a Scandinavian apple hard cider from Cayenne Craft based in New York City, New York, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Um, This thing will come in at 5.4 ABV. Um, it does remember a few weeks ago that pineapple beer I had that was supposed to have the cool like resealable tab. Yeah, and I opened the package and it didn't. Well, this actually does have that tab. I don't know if you can see that. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna have to figure out how to open this thing. <laughs> um, but the reason I said that I was a little skeptical of mine is I went to their website and they sell it at Publix and World Market and Whole Foods, which is fine. Okay. Yep. They also sell it at the 99 cent only store and grocery outlets. <laughs> um, so this could be like. Like Aldi beer, like when remember when we did the Aldi beer? Oh yeah, a I long do remember time ago. The Aldi that beer. was um that was a mistake. We shouldn't have done that. So I'm <laughs> I'm hoping I am hoping that this is not a mistake, but we will see here in just a minute. There is only one way to find out. That is true, and that's to try to crack yours open <laughs> and see what happens. It does have like an open like written on the tab, so I guess I gotta pull that up like a normal tab and then. I'll figure it out. So let, let's okay. go. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. Oh, that was <laughs> cool. And then this slides. Oh, that's nifty. Mm. How much? How far does it go? It does not open very much, which is a little like it's going to take it a year to pour out. Oh, oh gosh. 
So this smells like it has about as much flavor as fruit stripe gum. Really strong for like half a second. <laughs> this thing looks like straight up water. <laughs> Mine's kind of pale too. It smells good, but it looks like straight up water. <laughs> That's like, amazing. There's a little bit of color to it, but it is. Um, it's got a nice golden hue to it. Mine looks I, like just a regular old. I am. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm beginning to doubt uh, your second, life choices. Second guess all of my life decisions <laughs> at this point. <sighs> Fortunately, I only have three more of these to drink after this. See, that's what we're here for. We're we're more here to find the beers that you don't want to go buy. Well, and here's like, okay, so here's here's the problem. I think I saw right in the same area of the cooler a peach cider. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it was late, like the barcode under, like the tag underneath said peach. And I just grabbed a pack without really paying attention mm -hmm. and got an apple cider, which I like Oops. apple ciders. There's no problem with it. Um, but there may be a problem with this one. We're about to find out. <laughs> if I have to mix fireball into this to make it palatable, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> It'll be like that time we did the TikTok drink with with grenadine and dude. That was Corona. not that. That was a year ago, like or two years ago, like this in the last couple of days that we yes, did. That. It was I, that memory came up on my uh, Facebook feed, and Say I was like, Facebook. "Oh gosh, oh gosh." <laughs> I tried it again one time. It was not any better the second. Anyway, let's uh, let's drink and see how good or bad these things are. Let's do it. Bottoms up. I'll go ahead and go. Is it like one Luther? It's not bad. It tastes like Mott's apple juice. Oh, okay. Um, like it, it tastes like what we give my son to drink for apple juice. When you mix it with water? No, it, I mean, it, it basically tastes exactly like Mott's. Okay. Um, but it's, dude, you could give that to your son and calm him down. Uh, or not. No, don't do no, that. <laughs> no, we don't condone that behavior. Um, it's, I mean, it's an apple cider. It, there, there's, but there's not really anything to push. I mean, this is like a. This is gonna be like a three Luther. Like that's that. That was like my initial reaction when I first yeah. drank. Is like, yeah, this is just a three. Um. So it's not nearly as good as Angry Orchard. Is no, what you're Angry, saying. Angry Orchard is. Angry Orchard tastes fresh. This tastes yes. artificial. Yes. And this that may be because it is artificial. I don't know. I didn't look at the ingredients. <laughs> um, fermented apple juice. Water and regular apple juice, but I don't see anything about apples in here. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a three three Luther beer, which it's been a minute since I gave anything three Luthers. So, so. if you're at the ninety nine cent store, then there oh, you yeah. go. <laughs> I mean, this is, I mean this is a fine budget. If you can't if you can't get Angry Orchard or Reds or any of those, um. The Atlanta Hard Cider Company. I know I've mentioned this probably every year about this time. They their cherry pie sour is back, Ooh. Um, and I'm a. I almost got some of it tonight, but I decided not to. I should have. But um, anyway, yeah, three out of five for the Scandinavian apple hard cider thingy. Hard cider thingy. Yep. I mean, it's a. It if you've had Mott's, you know exactly what this tastes like. Mm -hmm. 
So, so how's fruity stripes? It's it's actually pretty good. I guess the it's got like this almost slightly bitter thing going on in the middle of it. And I can't I don't know what all is made like I couldn't find an actual description anywhere on this. Not beer. even like untapped or anything? No, it just says it's a it's a sour ale. Everything says it's just a sour ale brewed with tea. So I don't mm. know if the tea is what gives it that that flavor. Mm-hmm. But it's it's almost like a cider, but it's it does have a fruity flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Um it, I don't know. It's it's got it's got a little like it almost tastes like apple juice. I mean, it's I, maybe I'm just like hearing you talk about apples. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I taste too is apples. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. It's it's got a good flavor, but it's um. I feel like you're trying to convince yourself. Of this. I am trying to convince myself. It's it's okay. It's it's just okay. Um. There's nothing like cool about it. There's nothing like to me, this doesn't even taste like a sour ale. Mm. Like, you know, what I've grown to like over the last four or five months of drinking sour ales, this is not it. Um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's almost like a cider mm-hmm. and it feels like, it feels like a cider. Okay. I can, I can do this now. It feels like apple and pineapple cider with, unsweet tea poured into it. That's what it, that's what it tastes like. Mm. So I don't know if I like it. Um, I feel like if I give it three Luthers, I'm being nice. Um, don't give it three. If if you don't want to be nice, don't give it three. Yeah. I'm not going to be nice tonight. This is a two and a half Luther beer. It's just, it's not very good. Um, man, (laughs) struggle bus tonight. (laughs) That was a rough night. I mean, it has been, listen, it has been the last time either of us went below three and a half was your back 40 crazy sister like yeah, two months ago. That thing was awful. That thing, this see, and that's like, I hate to, I hate to give it because it's better than that. Like mm-hmm. the flavor is, is a little bit better, but it's just got mm-hmm. something weird about the flavor. I don't know. Maybe it's cause I'm smoking a pipe. I am. I do have a cherry tobacco tonight mm. that could be affecting it, but I don't know. I feel like if you can't drink a beer and smoke a pipe together, then the beer's not worth drinking. Right. I, I usually would. I would usually just drink something stronger when I smoke a pipe anyway. So yeah, but it's just it. This, it doesn't. It doesn't taste good. Well, that's okay. This so. that, that, that is what the beers about podcast is for. <laughs> we are here to be honest about the beer that we drink, uh, and and not lead you astray into terrible now, things like IPAs. I will, I will say, yes, exactly. I will say, I would be curious if you drank that like at dinner without smoking a pipe, if you would have a different opinion of it. Maybe. I doubt it, though. I don't know. It's Maybe sours and pipes don't go together. Maybe that's what you, what you just found out. Maybe. I do have, I have five more, so I will put your challenge to the test. I will drink one with dinner tomorrow night and report back how I feel about it with dinner. Sounds good. You should. Because we're going to record on Thursday night anyway. So. Yeah, we're recording three <laughs> days again. So, man, we 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 rode the struggle bus a little bit tonight, but that's okay. Um, 
Crooked Stave Brewing's Fruity Stripe Sour, getting two and a half out of five Luthers from Anthony. And the Scandinavian Apple Hard Cider from K.N. Craft. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. K-A-U-E-N Craft. If you know how to say that. Leave a comment. (laughs) Leave a comment to phonetically tell us how to. Anyway, (laughs) uh, that one gets three out of five Luthers tonight. And there is our beer review for this week's episode. Boom. Now we're going to step into the book of Zephaniah right after we take a break. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to tonight's episode. We are continuing to try to finish our um, not-so-great beers that we had. Um, (laughs) And we are going to continue in our discussion. We have only four more books in the Old Testament uh, before we get into the New Testament. And I was just thinking about it. It has been about a year. Yeah. Since we started this this whole book by book uh, discussion summary of the Bible, um, and so we're uh, about to be done with the Old Testament. So tonight we are in the book of Zephaniah, and um, just some information to kind of set ourselves up as we uh, talk through tonight. Um, so in Zephaniah, we have oracles of the coming catastrophic judgments on Mm. Jerusalem and the nations that surround her. Um, the judgments are coupled with an oracle of restoration for the remnant of Judah or for a remnant of Judah. So there you see this common theme that we've seen the last few weeks of despite there being this destruction that's coming, there's also hope, Mm -hmm. um, and there's, you know, a like a it's a promised hope. It's not just like a, a hopeful hope, but it's a promised restoration will come. Yeah. Um Zephaniah himself, he was from Jerusalem and he was possibly from the lineage of the king Hezekiah. Um, and these oracles of his happen during the reign of Josiah of Judah. Which is from six about six forty to six oh nine BC, mm-hmm. um, and there's really five emphasis as we go through the uh, the book here tonight. Um, we ha- we see the coming of God uh, comes up. Uh, there's judgment for Judah's sins. Um, this next one is a, a, another <clears throat> recurring theme that we've seen. I think for the last like. 10 episodes um <laughs> god is the god of all the nations um not just israel not just judah not just uh not just his people but he is the god over all the nations um there is judgment on those nations that god is over yep 
Um, and then the final emphasis we see here is the salvation of a remnant from Judah. So um, there is catastrophic judgment coming to Jerusalem and Judah, but there's going to be a remnant from Judah that is saved from the pending judgment. Yep. So. Which is at, which is a common biblical theme too, the remnant. Yeah. The idea of a remnant. Yeah. So that kind of gets us set up um, before we, you know, begin walking through Anthony, why don't you give us some advice for how we can read Zephaniah? Sure. So as we're reading the book of Zephaniah, Zephaniah is a is a pretty tough read. Um, if you've read Zephaniah, you, you understand it's, it doesn't... I, when I read it, like, it doesn't flow well to me. Like, mm. it, it just kind of seems... It seems boxy and choppy, and it just... Everything just kind of... But when you when you break it down i mean it's it's short it's three chapters when you break it down um you're gonna see this kind of basic structure okay um now to kind of frame zephaniah he's he's a contemporary to habakkuk so we're talking really about the same time frame as what habakkuk was referring to which is like second kings to put this in context of of a history book it's like second kings uh 22 and 23 and then Second Chronicles 34, 35, maybe into 36, right in right in that range. Um, referencing you reference Josiah, the king, uh, mm-hmm. who was from Judah. So that's going to be that time frame right there, those those books of the of uh of, from the histories. But there is a a very, very simple chiastic structure to Zephaniah. Um and if you're like if you're if you don't know what a chiastic structure is, it's basically think of like a, a pyramid or or a bracket. Um, you have these outer, but instead of it being teams competing to get to the finals, you have like this this one theme which leads to another theme, and then once you get to the center point, it go, it starts working its way back out. But each time it works its way back out, it references the t- the the theme above it. So if you have you have point A. And then your next one in is point B. Well, as you're coming back out, you have, they call it uh, like a prime or a star or, or, you know, it's just, it's, it's a point of a, but it's kind of the opposite or it's a parallel or they tie together. And so, so you, that think of it like that, but as we walk through Zephaniah, you're going to see this, this really, really simple chiastic structure. That's an ABA chiasm. Okay. Um, The first one is, is God's judgment of Judah. And then the subsequent wailing of Judah. So there, God's judgment comes, and in typical Hebrew form, they're like, "Oh, woe is me! This is terrible. My life is awful. God hates us. We need to repent." You know this this Deuteronomic cycle that we've talked about mm-hmm. from the the very beginning. You know, it it plays out right here. So God's judgment on Judah, and then the next point is God's judgment on the nations. That's just like point B. So you have God's judgment as A and B. Okay. And then you have an A prime that is God's redemption of Judah, the Judean Mm -hmm. remnant, and then their subsequent rejoicing. So God judges them. They wail. God judges the nations. Nothing really happens to the nations. And then God comes back and redeems Israel. And Israel's like, yes, thank you. 
for rescuing us once again, God, even though we don't deserve it because we're a bunch of morons who don't listen and don't pay attention when you say, you know, follow my commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so you can see the A's set up in a God's judgment and God's redemption. Okay. And then in mm-hmm. between those two is the judgment of the nation. So yeah, as we as we walk through the book, just see those things play out because it's it's real quick. Um, it's and it and it moves it moves through and even though it's boxy and hard to read, it moves through pretty quick and, and you're gonna see it as we walk through. So let's start and let's just walk through uh the book of Zephaniah here. Sure. So uh verse one, chapter one. Um there's some extra time spent on Zephaniah's identity, his background. Um there's extra you know, pay attention to this extra attention given to his lineage. Um this is a link, possible link to uh, Hezekiah. We've already talked about that. Mm. Um, and then it also kind of, he's also linked to the current king, Josiah, um, who is also a reforming king. So Zephaniah is is potentially linked um, in a familial way to two reforming kings. Yeah. Um, which is kind of an interesting... <clears throat> Um, an interesting detail here because uh, Jerusalem and Israel and Jude, how you know God's people are about to go through like this transitional thing. Yeah, you know. So, and Zephaniah is the prophet who's you know trying. Oh, oh another one of the prophets trying to get him to get get on the right track. So, but anyway. Yep. There's so, there's verse one of chapter one. Verse one. Verse yeah. two, <laughs> which uh which was really gonna carry us through um the end of chapter one. Uh we have the coming day of judgment. You you hit on that first scene, the coming of God. You have this day of judgment that's coming. God announces it. This first one is against Judah. Um, and so the judgment of God is coming against Judah, and it it's laid out in a in a very poetic structure. Uh, almost like a poem instead of a narration. Um, I know we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit with a lot of the prophecies. Sometimes it's a narration. Uh, think of like Jonah. Um, Nahum was was narrative narrative form. Um, Michael was a little bit narrative, but you have we're kind of getting back to the the older style of like the Isaiahs, the Jeremiahs, the Ezekiels, where it's like, "Thus says the Lord," you know, boom. Oracle, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's and it's read more of like a poetic structure um, in in the in the scripture there. So um, the other thing that we see here is that judgment is going to be described in three distinct parts throughout this chapter. So break this chapter down. You have verses three through nine. You have God's judgment expressly against Judah. Okay, outright it's against Judah. The next step is God's response when the judgment does come. And so it's almost like is God, God is going to, he's, he's laying out the whole plan is what he's doing. He's telling them exactly what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, and he's saying judgment's coming. Here's what I'm going to do. And then uh, verses 14 through 18, he gets the, he lays out the inescapable nature. This, there's nothing you can do to avoid this. So you need to just embrace mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is coming. You have sinned. Judgment is coming. And so get ready for it. Again, we're as we go through this, we're going to tinge this with hope, but 
just just know that at, at this point in time that it's it's at times it's okay to talk about the judgment of God, period. And like there, you know, God did that. He he said this is this is what's going to happen. And so, you know, Zephaniah here is is really laying out truth and he's and he's doing it in a way that is that is reforming, which is I think I think is why he's tied to guys like Hezekiah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I know we we said we kind of speculated that it or or we say it's it's not really proof because the name has it, you know, we think of the name Hezekiah and we're like, holy smokes, I don't know anyone named Hezekiah. But back then having the name Hezekiah was probably like having the name, you know, John or Matt. Um, it was it was a fairly common name. And so they're they're just not one hundred percent certain that it was that Hezekiah. It could have been a different mm-hmm. Hezekiah. Yeah. But anyway. Um, and so God lays out this judgment that that is coming and is going to be here, and and he says, get ready for it. And then he immediately moves into chapter two. So take us through chapter two and judging the nations. So uh, Zephaniah is going to spend uh, all of chapter two and about half of chapter three um, detailing the nation's judgment. Um, and, you know, Pay attention here to how the this whole section is structured, even down to like the smallest detail. Um, it starts with Judah being summoned to repent and becoming like the humble righteous, and then it ends with Jerusalem's refusal to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and in between here, we have these five oracles, um, four against five other nations and one against Jerusalem. Um so uh, it starts in uh, the beginning of chapter two. Um, there's a summons to repent, and then we get right into the other the other nations. Um, there's a oracle against Philistia. There's an oracle against Moab. There's an oracle against Cush, um, Assyria, and Jerusalem. And then it ends with the refusal of Jerusalem to repent. Um, so Judah is given ample reason for her judgment. Like Zephaniah is is very specific into why Judah is being judged. Those other nations aren't really given any. There, he he just basically says, "Hey, you're gonna be. You know, there's judgment coming." Um, he tells yeah. Philistia, um, a neighbor's land will belong to Judah's remnant. Um, he tells Moab the same thing. Um, Assyria, he he says that a dreaded enemy will be destroyed, and then Jerusalem. Uh, Judah will be like her dreaded enemy. Um, there's, you know, Judah gives ample reason or is given ample reason, mm-hmm. and the others really aren't. Yeah. Um, and uh, Zephaniah uses the reasons as a basis for calling Jerusalem to repentance. Um, and of course, we see that there's not really any repentance coming from Jerusalem. They kind of, they refuse to repent here. Yeah. at the end of, of this section um but and that ultimately leads to Jerusalem's downfall um so that gets us to um the last bit of chapter 3 where we see the restoration of the remnant yeah so we come back to our our final point in our chiasm here and and we get to the restoration of the remnant um and, and we talked a little bit about the remnant. You know, the remnant is a is a concept in 
in biblical literature where God is always preserving a people for himself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so there's I'm I'm gonna go just a, a bit into into theology here for just a second because there's there's a couple of kind of approaches to this idea of the remnant that that would fall into this category here. And one of them is 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 largely seen in reformed circles. Um, and it's called replacement theology. Um, I've, I, to be fair, though, there's a lot of reformed people who reject replacement theology. So don't don't hear that as a uh, reformed people endorse this because it, it's it's not a full lock, stock, and barrel thing. But essentially, re- replacement theology says in the Old Testament, the chosen people was Israel. In the New Testament, the chosen people is those who are in Christ. God replaced Israel with those who are in Christ. And and so while while I do kind of like I can at least see their point because there is some truth to that. I don't think it's a it's a full rejection of Israel. And the reason I don't think it's a full rejection of Israel is because of the concept of the thread of a remnant that goes all the way through scripture. Mm-hmm. And so God always saves for himself. Now, now God never says in the Old Testament that he is going to fully redeem 100% of all of ethnic Israel. He never says that. And so he always says that I'm I'm going to keep my people for myself is is what he is the theme that goes throughout scripture. And so with this idea of a remnant there's always a group of people who are kept aside for God's purposes. Okay. Um now we can we can dive way off into this and get into um election and reprobation and all of that. And I'm and I don't want to take it that far tonight, but just know that this idea of a remnant throughout scripture is a biblical concept that a lot of people use to say that that God always is going to keep a people for himself. And and the reason he keeps that people for himself is for his glory. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's not about are you in or are you out? Are you one of the chosen? Are you not? Are you elect? Are you not? That's that's the wrong question to ask about that. The the correct response is to say that God will and God does. And the reason he does is for his glory. Yeah. And so, you know, now we can talk about being in Christ and all of the blessings that are found for those who are in Christ. And yes, and amen to that. You know, if if that's the remnant, then then that's the remnant. And the remnant is not made up of Israel. The remnant is not made up of America. The remnant is not made up of the United Kingdom. The remnant is made up of people of all nations, all tribes, all tongues, and they serve the purpose of showing that God is the God of all the nations, mm-hmm. which is exactly what we've talked about through pretty much all of these Old Testament prophets, mm-hmm. that God is the God of all the nations and that God is going to bring to himself people from every tribe and every nation. And he does so for his good pleasure and his good purposes. Mm-hmm. And, and, when we see that thread woven through scripture, it, it tends to it tends to give us a different perspective about what we read. At least for me it does. Because, you know, I'm not trying to find how America fits into 
you know, the book of John or the book of Daniel, because America is a, is a moot point. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, on, on the other side of that, I think it's, it's especially in today's climate and culture, I think it's imperative for us to note that there's going to be people who try to identify as Christians or as believers who are not. And, and when the rubber hits the road, those people are going to begin to fall away very, very quickly. Right. Um, which I think is what we're seeing in today's context, in today's Christians, is people who are, uh, for, for lack of a, I mean, they're deconstructing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and we've talked a bit about deconstruction on here before, but, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm always reminded of, I, th- I think it's in first John where it says, you know, they, they went out from us because they were not of us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there, there is a group of people who for whatever advantageous reason to themselves, they wanted to, to claim the misnomer or the, the, that's not the word I'm looking for. Misnomer is not the word, the identity of Christian because mm-hmm. it was advantageous for them. Yeah. Um, it's not becoming as advantageous to to have that moniker. That's the word I'm looking for. It's a moniker. Um, it's not advantageous to have that anymore. And yeah. so people are putting that off. They're putting it aside. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it just reveals that the reason that they had it was for own their own selfish purposes. They didn't have mm-hmm. it to glorify God. They didn't they didn't carry that name because they had committed themselves and were in Christ and had confessed Christ as Lord. Um, they may have said the words, but they did not believe in their heart. Mm-hmm. And and, yeah. and the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, yeah, you know. So, um, anyway, that's just a little a little diatribe there on on the remnant and the biblical concept of of what a remnant is and how we can think about it better. But um, this last restoration oracle here has three parts, um, as the judgment oracle did, and and it almost has itself. Um, I think I'm reading a little bit into this when I say this, but it almost has a, a slight chiastic structure just in and of itself in these last few few verses. And the first thing that we see is God's purification of the remnant in Deuteronomic terms. You know, it's it's a call to repentance and they have to repent and and go back and listen to any previous episode on the Deuteronomic cycle um, where we talk about it and and you'll know what that you'll know what that is. So um God's purification there on Deuteronomic terms. You obey my commands. You you do uh, what I tell you to. There's blessings that that follow. Um, the second point here is the wailing of the judgment oracle that has now been replaced by rejoicing. So we mm-hmm. we had at the at the beginning of chapter two. Um, I'm sorry, end of chapter one. At the end of chapter one, we had this wailing. The oracle came down, and now that. Uh, wailing has been replaced by rejoicing because God's judgment or God's restoration has come at this point. Um, the judgment has ended and the restoration is coming. And then the last point that we see is the gathering of God's people. And he replaces part of the restoration is he takes away their shame and he gives them honor in place of it. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's, this, uh, th- when we record this, it's, it's the Monday after Easter. Um, and I can't think of a a better parallel to what the gospel is that somebody took our shame and gave us honor in place of it. And that was what Christ Jesus did on the cross when he was mm-hmm. killed. He was buried, but he didn't stay dead. He rose. 
Yeah. And he rose for our justification and he rose uh to to give us honor, to give us a a right relationship with God the Father Almighty. And and that picture painted out through these three chapters of Zephaniah is a foreshadowing of the one who would come and he would take our shame. He would take our shame on himself and he would give us his honor that was due to him. Mm-hmm. And, and man, if that's not a cause for rejoicing for us as believers in the Lord Jesus, I don't know what is. And yeah. man, what a beautiful picture of the gospel that you see right here in the, in the book of Zephaniah. Hmm. So, yeah, that's the end of Zephaniah. It's a short book. Sure is. Anything else you want to add there? I don't think so. Um, but I would like to pray for us before we before we skedaddle. Skedaddle. Let's do it. Let's pray. Uh, so, God, thank you for um, tonight. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given Anthony and I to let's sit down and discuss your word to um to talk through the book of Zephaniah God and thank you for the truths that we find in the book of Zephaniah um thank you that um you've um provided such a clear uh, map for us so that we can come to know you so that we can know you more um so that we can understand um as much about you as possible um God thank you for the truths that um that you've you've given us uh thank you for this past weekend and what it means what it means to us as believers to celebrate your um sounds weird to say celebrate your death but to celebrate your uh, resurrection and your victory over death and sin and god um just thank you for um sending jesus to do that on our behalf so that we could come to know him and live um in relationship with him and with you um and have that eternal uh that eternal hope that um that eternal uh just peace and comfort and um god just thank you for for what you did um and what jesus did for us uh on the cross and in the tomb um Thank you for um, how you are uh, growing us and helping us to be more like you, Jesus. And we pray that um, everyone who listens to this to this podcast is drawing closer to you and um, becoming more like you, Jesus. Um, we thank you for um, just your great love and your mercy and your grace that you pour out on us each day, God. And we thank you that um, you never change. You've uh, you never have, you never will. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, we we cling to that truth that um, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is the same uh, God that reigns today, and that you uh, you've never changed. And uh, we thank you for that, um, Jesus. Uh, again, we love you. We thank you so much for um, your great love for us. And God, we pray that you. Help us to be more like your son each and every day. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, 
and our Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they wanted to reach us on social media to complain about our bad taste in beers, where would they do that? You can send all complaints to... I uh, thought about giving them your personal email just, just for the Oh, kicks. that would be fun. Um, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> you can send all your complaints and suggestions and questions and comments to... Uh, we're at on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. We are on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. You can find us on Facebook by searching beers and Bible podcast and looking for the logo that you see on your streaming platform there. I don't really know if Facebook has a handle, but you would think we would know that at this point, <laughs> but we don't. Um, and then you can also email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Again, any questions, comments, that you have about anything we've discussed uh, beer or Bible related we'd love to hear from you there if you have any beer suggestions that you would like for us to try on the podcast we would love to hear those from you and we would uh, give you a shout out on the podcast if we were able to find a suggestion of yours that's right that is how you can reach us well until next week we hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open And we'll see you later. Peace out.